fans Connor McCarthy here with my co-host Blake Pace here to talk to you about another week in the NFL it was an exciting week some teams separating themselves what did you think Blake it was a good week of football there's a lot of tight matchups that I really enjoyed uh we learned a lot about a few teams and I still got a questions about a few more going through but we'll talk about that later on and we'll get that we'll get right into it for the first topic of the day the Rams have looked like one of the best teams in the NFL so far when it comes to the stat book but some uh some fans have started to question whether they're legit or it's been a result of their competition and I know Blake has a strong opinion on this, so I'm going to start with him in this. Yeah, so I do a uh, I do a power rankings for the NFL for another uh, for Pure Sports Network uh, on their Twitter account. And the past two weeks, I've been a little, I guess, too low in some people's minds on the Rams. You know, I've had a few people reply to me with the you know, you know, they've got one of the best offenses ever in NFL. Like, why aren't you higher on them? And you know, I I don't think they're overrated. Their offense is legit. Sean McVay has done an amazing job in his first season. Really got some weapons going with, you know, Jared Goff. Todd Gurley looks amazing. And they got a lot of uh, weapons at receiver. And on the other side, Wade Phillips has done a good job developing the defense. And they still have Aaron Donald, the best defensive tackle in football. They're number three in total offense behind New England and New Orleans. And they have the number 14 defense. So they're right in the middle of the pack with that. The only problem that I have with the Rams so far this season is uh, the teams that they've beaten this year have combined for a record of 23-42. and 42. Now, that is not a good record. They've had the luxury of playing the Indianapolis Colts, the San Francisco 49ers, the Cardinals, the Giants, and the Texans after they lost to Sean Watson. Now, I don't think that these are telltale that they're just, they have an easy schedule. They did play a tough Seattle team well, and they beat Jacksonville. They beat the Redskins earlier in the season. I know they did you, not beat the Redskins. Oh, they didn't beat the That's Redskins. Exactly right. You see, I didn't even come to that. And you know what? There's nothing embarrassing about to losing to the Redskins either. Oh, well, we'll okay, talk about whatever that. you want to say. Okay, All right, right keep going. Uh, so, through the next few weeks, we're going to learn a lot about this Rams team. You know, they have to go play Minnesota this week. They have to play the Saints, Eagles, Seahawks, and the six and three Titans throughout the end of this season. I'm not ready to say that they're overrated, but I'm also not ready to say that they're one of the best teams in football. Okay. Well, first off, I, I, I love the Rams this year. They have been one of the most exciting teams in the NFL to me, and I do believe they are a top-five team at the minimum. I really do think they're going to shine through in their tough stretch of the season. I think they may lose a game or two, but that's understandable. Now, their, their wins, a couple of their wins they've had, they have won against the Colts, like you said, the 49ers, they're not impressive, Cardinals, whatever, but they dominated those games, except for the 49ers, who came a little bit close, but mm-hmm. the Colts, Cardinals, absolutely destroyed, which is what good teams should do to yeah. teams that are that inferior. They have two quality wins, Cowboys, Jaguars, there's mm-hmm. some good quality wins, and it's tough to win. Sean McVay was playing um, the Redskins in Week 2, and uh, it's a game where he's facing his former team, they know a lot of the tricks about him and everything like that. He was still probably getting adjusted to the being a head coach and everything like that. It was a really close game. They could have won. We could have gone either way. Todd Gurley played great like he has all season. And the real reason that I think the Rams are going to be there in the playoffs and be a really good team during that time is I just think they're overall just such a complete team. That offense has been excellent this year. I think they have one of the best three receiver tandems in the uh, NFL. Robert Woods has caught on fire recently. Destroyed me in fantasy the past two weeks, by the way. That's another story. <laughs> 
Sammy Watkins might be a bit player, but that's a heck of a bit player to have exactly. if he's catching 70-yard touchdowns every once in a while. Sorry if that's a bad season. Cooper Cup has been Jared Goff's security blanket this season, and I think that he's going to be great coming in the future. I see a good connection already with his quarterback, and that spells well uh, for the future. And their special teams are great. I mean, Johnny Hecker and Greg Zerloin are two of the best kickers in the league. And to have them on your team, it's just such a weapon. It's just an added bonus. And we've always seen special uh, creativity out of special teams um, from the Rams. So I think this team is built for long-term success. I think this team is built for short-term success. And I'm really excited about them. Yeah, I, I don't know. And I'm not ready to say that. I don't think that they're bad. I say I think they are a true uh, top 10 team in the league. I'd say they're more in the you know 7-8 range. Oh. I wouldn't say they're you know top 5 yet. I just think that when you get to the later half of this season, you're going to learn a lot about them and a lot about their inexperience. You know, you're going to play a very experienced Saints team, a very experienced Seahawks team. The Eagles are legit. The, the, the Vikings are legit. Their defense is experienced. I'm not ready to say that they're one of the elite, although their offense is unbelievable. Like, teams are going to have a tough time defending them, but, like, when you put the Saints up against them or the Eagles, that offense could do, do some work against the uh, Rams' defense. Well, I will say... The Rams' defense in the beginning, I mean, they were putting up high offensive numbers, but teams were putting up high offensive numbers against them. Mm-hmm. Their past three games, they've given up 16, 17, and 0. Yeah. So the defense has been improving. Mm-hmm. They still have Aaron Donald, who's a world record over there. Oh, yeah. So at any point, he can still make a difference. So I, I still, I'm, I'm pretty high on the Rams, if you can't tell. And I'm just, that's just my opinion. I think they're going to be a great team, and I think they're going to do well in the playoffs. And I, think, I got one question for you, though. Mm-hmm. So if the Rams were going to 2-2 two and two over this stretch, over this stretch of really tough games, would you admit then that they're one of the best teams in the NFL, maybe a top three, or is it going to take like a three and one or a positive record for you to it, admit that? It's got to be a three and one for me because they are playing some of the other top five teams in football. I think the Vikings, Saints, and Eagles are all top five teams. And for the Rams to go two and two against them and the Seahawks, you know, that's going to be tough. And especially because the Seahawks are coming right at their heels in that division lead, they could easily find themselves looking for a wild card spot in a very tough NFC. So they're going to have to go 3-1 and one for this to for me to really think of them as a top team. And you're right. I mean, they lost to the Seahawks earlier this season, mm-hmm. so two losses to them could be trouble for them when it comes to winning oh, yeah. their division. But I don't know. I think they're going to pull it out, and we'll have to see. Yeah, and, and, and I, I, I wrote in this in the beginning of this season um, for Signal Caller Central, which we both have written for. Um, I predicted that you know Sean McVay was going to take this team to a top 10 offense and Jared Goff was going to be a top 15 quarterback this year and that's happened a lot that's that's been proven so far and you know they're on pace to finish well above that mm-hmm. I'm just saying when it gets colder outside gets towards winter in the NFL a lot of quarterbacks start to tighten up and you see a little dip in their game and you know, it'll be interesting to see Jared uh, Goff go through that. Well, you know how a lot of teams say they're a quarterback away from being legit competitors and stuff like that? Well, the Rams were just a coach away, I guess. Yeah. Because, I mean, Jeff Fisher, he was leading a campaign that was going downwards and it was so stagnant. How many 8-8 eight and eight seasons did they have? Then Sean McVay comes in and they've scored way more points than they did all of last season. Exactly. By far, they scored more touchdowns. Everything looks better. Everything looks new. And I think he's part of this new breed of young coaches that are coming up and just they're going to take the league by storm. And I think this is just the beginning. Yeah, definitely. And especially when you look at the two quarterbacks that were with uh, the Los Angeles Rams last year with Jared Goff and Case Keenum, both of them are lighting it up this year. Case Keenum, we'll talk about later, has just had a great start to this season. And so it really says a lot about how much of a messy situation that the Rams were part of last year. So I think we're going to go on to our next subject now. Now, theme of the day is going to be seven and two teams. Like Lick and I were talking, it seems like every team we're to- that we talk about is seven and two. Saints are that next team. 
We've talked about the Saints a couple times in this season, but they're, they've been on such a hot streak lately. Some are wondering if they're the best team in the NFL or if it's just because they are hot and that they're playing well and if one game could send them tumbling or something like that. And I pose the question, are the Saints the best team in the NFL right now? I'm not going to say that they're the best. I, I still think that belongs to Philly until they prove me otherwise, and I'd still say I'd take New England over New Orleans as well. When I look at the Saints, though, they keep proving more and more about themselves every week, and especially um, this past week against Buffalo, they're a run-first offense now with Kamara and Ingram. They they don't need Drew Brees to throw 45 to 50 times. I found this out. So Brees in the last three games has attempted under 30 passes. The last time he did that in just two games, can you guess what year that was? Then you're talking about his span of his career? Yeah, yeah. Maybe his first two years in the NFL? Well, so it was 2009. Okay. What happened that postseason? Beat the Colts in the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. So they beat the Colts in that Super Bowl that year. There have been so many comparisons of that year for the Saints. Yeah, they've got a lot going for them right now. Marshawn Lattimore is a top cornerback in this league. He is a shutdown corner, and you can put him up against some of the top receivers in this league, and he will prove you right. They've seen a lot of good upgrades from their young players on defense. And you know what I I really like about the Saints this year is that they've transitioned into this run-first offense. You're not wasting away Drew Brees' arm in week seven or eight. If you get into the postseason and you need him to throw 45 times, say a team comes along like the Vikings and just stops their run game, you can have Drew Brees throw 45 passes if you have to because he is that kind of quarterback. He'll also just be more rested when it comes to that. Yeah, I'm going to say, there's a couple stats that I was looking after the Saints. Since that week two loss to the Patriots, which is their last loss because they lost the first two games of the season, mm-hmm. they've won every game by at least eight points. They've scored 30 or more points in four of their seven wins. They've held opponents to 13 points or less in five of their wins. I mean, that's a formula for success, and that's a definition of a strong team. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people weren't hiding the Saints because they did start with that 0-2 start, and people were wondering, hey, what's going on with the Saints? Is this going to be the end of uh, the Drew Brees era and stuff like that? Adrian Peterson was causing drama in the locker room. But now that looks like so far behind in the rearview men, men, uh, mirror. They've been one of the top uh, NFL teams. And honestly, I, I would say this. If the NFL season were to end right now, if it was to end right now, I think the Saints would be my Super Bowl pick with the way they're playing yeah. right now. Wow. I think they can beat anybody. I think they can beat the Eagles, who a lot of people think are the best team in the NFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who knows? I, I think that defense is still a little bit overrated. I feel like they can be exposed at mm-hmm. some points if yeah. a good quarterback goes against them. We saw Tom Brady going against them in Week 2. I know they were young, and they were still gaining experience. Marks Lattimore, uh, players like that. But uh, the Saints overall... They have Drew Brees, a quarterback who at any point can win the game for them. They have a great running game, which, like we talked about since 2009, they've always tried to establish that. So uh, the Saints are just a great team, and they're another one of those teams, parody in the NFL. I want to talk about the Rams being the top five team, the Saints being the top five team. Yeah. At some point, i got to start kicking some teams out. <laughs> exactly. But uh, everybody's 7-2. Everybody's a great team in this list, so. I'm going. To, I'm high on the Saints still. Yeah, and like I was talking about with the Rams and how they've got a tough few weeks coming up, the Saints have a fairly easy schedule the rest of the way. Now, sorry to insult oh, yeah, you on yeah, this. They play. The they play Washington this week, and for me, I think that's a pretty. I think that's going to be a pretty easy win it's for them. A pretty easy one. I Just think like so. the Seahawks were an easy one. You know. Uh, yeah. Oh wait. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk Oakland. about that some other time. Okay. But they've got they've got two tough games to me. The Rams are one of them. You know, we'll learn a lot about both teams in that matchup. They also play the Panthers, who I'm very high on uh, as well this year. But besides that, they have to play the Falcons twice, who, yes, look good against Dallas this past week, but the rest of their season has just not lived up to their expectations. They get to play the Jets, 
and the Buccaneers. And so I really think that they could really build up this hot streak. Say they go one and one against the Rams and Panthers. They could take those last four games and roll right into the postseason hot. No, I mean, you know, a lot of people talked about this division in the beginning that this could be one of the best, if not the best division from the beginning. The Bucks have been a disappointment, like we talk about every week, how mm-hmm. disappointing they are. Yeah. But the Falcons at times have looked like a really good team, but at times have looked pretty eh. The Saints in the beginning looked eh, and then they were great. The Carolina Panthers, some people still aren't sold on them, but they just keep winning games. So I think this division is at least number one or two in the NFL right now, okay. and I think they have a good shot at producing the Super Bowl winner out of this division. If I was going to pick the two divisions out of the NFC, pick them in the NFC East to be the top two and possibly produce uh, at least the NFC champions out of here. Yeah, and I think what's really interesting about the Saints going forward is because I've, I've seen these reports that – you know, this team is getting younger and younger and, you know, they're potentially thinking of moving on from Drew Brees after this season. And, you know, if they can make a deep postseason run without needing Drew Brees, if they are a run first team, that might be something that we're looking at in the offseason. So that's another thing I think is really interesting for this offseason. I mean, personally, I just don't think you want to move on from a quarterback no. like Drew Brees. No. I mean, I understand that you want to get a young quarterback maybe build somebody up behind him, but yeah, you know, someone that's playing as well as Breeze still can in what we've seen this year, I just don't see much decline in him, so I would try to hold on to him, and like we've talked about, it's going to be a crazy free agency market for the quarterbacks after this season, too, especially yeah. with Tyrod Taylor just getting benched in Buffalo. Yeah, and I, I don't think that they should move on from Breeze, but I know there were reports this last Sunday uh, from Ian Rappaport that the uh, they haven't discussed a contract extension, um, they haven't really negotiated anything, he is set to be a free agent, so... I'm just saying, you know, if they can win some games without really needing him, then they might try and look at a younger quarterback in that free agent market. Well, Ben, we're talking about the future a yeah, little bit. Yeah. The Saints, you know, uh, this season the Saints are a great team. They have a shot at the Super Bowl. Anytime Drew Brees gets near it, you know he's going to be itching for it. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Let's go on to our next subject. And this has been one of the hot topics in the NFL this week. Casey Keenum just lit up the Redskins, unfortunately. And uh, a lot <laughs> unfortunately of people are, for you. Yeah, unfortunately for me. He's been on a real hot streak this season. I mean, he has 1,914 yards, 11 TDs to 5 interceptions, QBR of 92.6. He's been playing great. Teddy Bridgewater came off the IR. He was the franchise quarterback pretty much for the Vikings for about two seasons, and they really had high hopes for his future. He hasn't played an NFL game in over a year. So uh, some people are wondering if Bridgewater can take his job, and it's been a, it's been a debate. What do you think, Blake? I think that this is this is Bridgewater's job, but it's not his job this season. I like that he's back on the active roster. It's, it's an amazing story that he's made his way all the, all the way back to this after that horrific injury. Um, I wrote about this earlier this week. Case Keenum has just completely turned himself around with this offense. Uh, he completed just 60% of his passes last year with 11 interceptions in just 10 games. Um, and like you said, all of his stats this year, he's just so much more improved. Keenum has really benefited, of course, from the offensive line play this year. His 2.1 sack percentage is among the best in the NFL, so he's not getting hit a lot. He's being comfortable in the pocket, and he has a lot of weapons that he didn't have last year in Los Angeles as well. You know, Adam Thielen, a, a top receiver in this league. That can't be denied anymore. Stefan Diggs' ability is unreal. Kyle Rudolph, and then they've got two great backs in McKinnon and uh, Latavius Murray. The thing that I think that people need to remember about Bridgewater is that the last time we saw him play, it wasn't that great. Yeah, he, com- he did complete 65% of his passes in 2015. He only had 14 touchdowns along with 9 interceptions and a QBR of 
they made the playoffs that year, and they came one field goal away from uh, oh, beating the Seahawks. Yeah. Who can forget that? Uh, um, but he, but Bridgewater, even in that game, failed to really make an impact and had 146 yards with zero touchdowns. I think that Bridgewater is the quarterback for this organization going forward, but I think for this season, you got to roll with the hot hand. Well, you got to think about it. When Bridgewater was doing all this, he was still a young quarterback. Obviously, mm-hmm. they wanted to show him, and they had Adrian Peterson to rely on, yeah. and they gave him the ball as much as possible, and they wanted to limit uh, Teddy's uh, opportunities. But if you remember, that preseason that Teddy was going on, he was having a great preseason leading up to the season. People were really excited. They were saying this was the year that Teddy's going to lead the offense. He's going to be the real guy. And then he got injured, and it was a horrible injury. And some people wondered if he'd ever play football again. So good for him for even coming back from this type of injury. Exactly. But I'm going to have to agree with you. I think you have to go with the high hand right now. And I'm not always a fan of that. I really am not. I, I, for example, when Colin Kaepernick took over for Alex Smith for the 49ers, I was not a fan of that at all. I thought Alex Smith was playing the best football of his career, which he was yep. at that point, mm-hmm. And he was playing great. And they went with Colin Kaepernick, and it worked out for that season. They did pretty well in the next season as well. But now you look at their careers. Alex Smith is doing great in Kansas City. MVP caliber season. Colin Kaepernick is out of the league. So sometimes it's not always the best route. But you just you can't rely on Bridgewater being that much better than Keenum right now. We haven't seen him in two years. And even when, like you said, he was playing before, he wasn't that great. So right now I think you have to roll with Keenum. The only problem is uh, if Keenum starts struggling over the next couple weeks – Bridgewater will only have, what, two, three weeks to get ready to go in the playoffs and yeah. lead a team when he hasn't been up to game speed in so long. And you can't simulate that type of game speed in practice. Everybody knows it. It's way different. Mm-hmm. I just I wouldn't want to be in Mike Zimmer's shoes in this situation. I'll oh, be honest. Yeah, definitely. And, and going forward, that's such a tricky situation. If Keenum does dip down, I think you still have to stick with him because what if you put Bridgewater in and he's even worse than Keenum's lows of this year? Because exactly. then you have to go back to Keenum, but Keenum has been benched, so now his mindset is different. And I really think that quarterbacks get a lot of mental issues when they get benched. They go through a lot when they get benched and then are asked to come back and perform again. Uh, it's, it's really tough mentally on them. So I think you're rolling right now. I think they're a top five team in the NFL. Their defense can win them games and their offense is still like an ecstatic. Like they have so many weapons to go to week in and week out. It's always a great performance. I think that you just, you, you can't hurt this momentum that they've got right now. And if they do, I think it'll come back to bite them in the butt. Well, it's always great to have depth in the NFL, but depth at the quarterback position like this, it can always, it can start drama sometimes. When mm-hmm. one quarterback isn't clearly better than the next, they're both pretty good quarterbacks, we assume. I mean, Sam Bradford was pretty good, too. It would have been really interesting if all three of them <laughs> yeah. were in the same room. Mm-hmm. So it, it could create drama, and it'll be interesting how the Vikings handle the situation because it could go one way where they all support one quarterback. That's our guy for the rest of the year. And it turns out great. They have a ton of support and everything like that. It could go south real quick, though. In a situation that I was, I just realized this, I had never even thought about it before. Uh, this is going back to, to the New York Jets with Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez was not a top quarterback in this league, but he had two great years where they went to AFC Championship games with a great defense, and Mark Sanchez did his job. Yeah. Following offseason, they brought in Tim Tebow. That was one of the worst decisions, I think. It was, it was terrible. It, yeah. it got in Mark Sanchez's head. He thought, my, there's a guy coming for my job. They would switch them throughout games. They'd put Tebow in, and you'd think, oh, they're running a Wildcat play. And that, that just disrupts so much rhythm and causes so many mental issues with the quarterback. Mark Sanchez and the Jets, they, they fell flat because of it. And so I think that you know, coaches really need to just ride with their guy and not bring in outside uh, pressures for them. And that's you know, a situation I think that really compares to this. You know, let Ke- Case Keenum play. 
make this Teddy Bridgewater's team next year if you want to. It's interesting you bring up the Jets and Mark Sanchez because that situation, I mean, I feel so bad. If you hear some of the stuff that they did with him, yeah. I mean, I thought it was like green card, red card Sanchez where they let him on certain plays do what he wants and some plays he wasn't allowed to throw at certain areas of the field and stuff like yeah. that. It's just not how you develop a quarterback. And I, no. I'm going to give Mike Zimmer more credit. I think he's done a great job with Definitely. what he's done with the quarterback Definitely. situation so far. Teddy's uh, coming along well, but he's he hasn't he hasn't said uh, Keenum Keenum starting this week, but he hasn't like said his plans going forward. He just he's just trying to figure things out right now, and when he does make his decision, he's got to stick by it. That's the only thing I guess. Exactly. All right, so then we go to our next uh, topic. So the Steelers have been doing their typical play this year of playing down to their opponents a lot of people, but it seems like it's a little more consistent this year. Uh, they beat the Browns by three, the Bears by six, beat the Colts by three this week. And they lost to the Jaguars by 21. They beat the Ravens by 17, the Vikings by 17, Chiefs by 6, and Lions by 5. It's all over the place. You don't know what team you're going to get. Is this a case of the Steelers just being the Steelers, or are we actually worried that they're just an inconsistent team that could lose against anybody but beat anybody? You know, I don't, I'm don't. i not too worried about them. One thing, especially this past week, I watched the, the full game between the Steelers and the Colts, and the Colts all year have really played up to their opponents. They make games close, like with, with Seattle. They lost by, oh, God, over 20. But, you know, in the first half, they had a five-point lead going in. They play some teams really tough for a while. Their defense is mentally sound. Pagano really coaches them up. So I'm not too worried about that game against them. But if you look at the the offense for the Steelers, they've got too many weapons for me to be to be worried about them. Le'Veon Bell is still a top back in this league, if not the best running back in this league. Antonio Brown, I consider a top three receiver. Uh, and, and Juju Smith-Schuster has quickly become what they wanted Martavis Bryant to be, really, oh, while still keeping Martavis Bryant. Um, their defense is legit, in my opinion. Ryan Chazier is one of the top middle linebackers in all of football, and they've gotten some good play out of their secondary. They did take a hit, losing Joe Hayden for the rest of the season. It'll be interesting to see how they come back and you know get some more depth in the cornerback position. But you know, I'm just not too worried. You know, the rest of their season, they don't have many tough matchups left. They do play the Titans this week. That'll be a good game. Packers, Bengals, play the Ravens again. Um, they do have to play the Patriots, which I think will be a great game. But then you finish the season with the Browns. You know, going into the playoffs, I don't necessarily think that they're a big threat in the AFC. I think this is the Patriots' uh, AFC championship to lose. But I think that the Steelers can make a run into, you know, that AFC championship game if they needed. I'm going to say Steelers are still one of my favorite teams to watch. Their offense is so – they have so much talent there. And don't get me wrong, I do think they can make a playoff run and be a good competitor. But Ben Roethlisberger is just worrying me to death. I don't – I just – he's the biggest X factor right now for me. I just don't know what we're going to get out of him. He has 2,298 yards on the season, 12 touchdowns and 10 picks, a QBR of 83.8. And those aren't the worst numbers you've ever seen. But on this offense, that might as well be the worst numbers you've ever seen because it's just oozing with talent. When you have Juju Smith-Schuster playing like he is, you have two competent tight ends, Jesse um, Jesse James and Vance McDonald. You have Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell. The offensive line is good. The defense is playing great. Ben Roethlisberger is the only thing really holding this team back, in my opinion. I know he missed some open receivers this last game. He also has made some good throws down the stretch. So I, I, I just he's played at such a high level for so long. And honestly, he's carried the Steelers through some rough patches. And right now, they're doing the carrying. He, he, you talk about quarterbacks being trailers or um, or trucks, pretty much. Trucks carry their team through bad times. And trailers just kind of hold them back a little bit and are role players. And that's what Ben Roethlisberger's been this season. 
And I think if they're going to make a Super Bowl run, Ben's going to have to reclaim some of his uh, former glory. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's been a real shaky season for him. You know, he had a, he had a few bad games over a stretch, and then there were talks about his commitment and his level of interest in playing. And then he came back and performed great for the past few weeks. And then didn't really struggle against Indianapolis, but he didn't look his best, definitely. You know, there were some bad throws. There was a bad interception on the first drive that I just, you know, uh, Martavis Bryant was, you know, tightly covered down the field. Ben still slung it to him and got picked off on the first drive. You know, so I, I do think there are some some questions with his game this year. I just would still, I'd, I'd still trust him as a veteran quarterback to manage this offense, let the defense win for them. I, there's so many, there's so many great defenses in the NFL right now that if the offense just does its job and doesn't turn the ball over, the defense can win games for them. And I think the Steelers' defense has the capability of doing that. You know, I do think they need some more uh, production from the secondary. Um, they're giving up a lot of passing yards a game, but I think that they the defense can be the, the winning factor for them. Well, the thing is, after the Jaguars game, when Ben openly questioned if he had it still, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of questions about him, the Steelers have won four straight. They won against the Chiefs, which is a huge game that silenced a lot of critics. They won against the Bengals. They won against the Lions, the one against the Colts. There's some quality wins in there. So that's really silenced a lot of criticism of Ben, even though he hasn't been, still hasn't been playing particularly well or anything like that. And the thing is, they, the Steelers' offense hasn't put up 30 points this season. The Steelers' offense, with that much talent, yeah. I think they should be putting up 30 points every single game. The last four games, 19, 29, which is a good one, 20, and 20. Which, for any other team in the NFL, I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. Their offense is doing what they need to do. The Steelers, I, it's just so much talent there. They should, they're like a Madden game. They are. They, yeah. they should be putting up ridiculous numbers. Oh, yeah. And Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell are still putting up good numbers, so there's something wrong with the offense, and I just think that it's, it all goes back to Ben. Yeah, and I'm, but I'm looking right now at, at Le'Veon Bell's stats this year. He only has two 20-or-more-yard runs this year. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, for such a dynamic back and how he can make great cuts at the line, great adjustments, and move down the field – I'm a little bit surprised that he just has two 20-plus yard rushes this year, five rushing touchdowns. You know, he is he is a dynamic play, and especially in uh, in the passing game, you know, he's got two receptions also for 20-plus yards. I just think that we could see a lot more production through the rest of that offense. I don't think it's solely just on Ben. Well, I will say about Bell, and you're right, you noticed that. I watched the some of the Colts-Steelers game, and there was times when Bell would be taken down one-on-one yeah. against some guys that you, wow, oh. it's just come second nature. <laughs> Trust it's me. Come, it's come second nature that Le'Veon Bell is going to break that tackle. There's no way you get him on down one-on-one. And there yeah. were several times in that game where Bell just got taken down, and everybody was just like, oh, okay. And and by guys like Barcavius yeah. and Mingo. Just, and stuff you know, like that. Just stuff like yeah. that. There are some players on that Colts defense that, you know, shouldn't be starting, but, yeah. you know, are making plays. And don't get me wrong, I'm still a huge fan of Bell. I think he's one of the, I, like you said, I think he's the best back in the NFL right now, oh, yeah. David Johnson out especially. Mm-hmm. So, and they rely on him so much, maybe there's some wear and tear on him at this point because, you know, he wasn't with the team in training camp, so maybe they're, it's starting to catch up with him a little bit. I'm not going to go too far into it because I still see those runs every, like, every, like, other run is like Le'Veon Bell creates something that no other back could get. Yeah. Even his four-yard rushes are ridiculous because mm-hmm. everybody's expecting him to get the ball 30 times a game. Exactly. So it can be hard for him. He hasn't played quite up to it, but he's still one of the best backs, and I, I still blame Ben as the main contributor for their offensive struggles. Mm-hmm. So on to our final subject. The Panthers traded Calvin Benjamin and kind of shocked the NFL a couple weeks ago. There was a lot of trades, and – 
Devin Funches has really stepped up in that state, and Cam has played great. He had four TDs, no interceptions, over 200 yards passing in his last game. Would you say the Panthers are better without Kelvin Benjamin? I don't, I, I don't really think that one wide receiver has that much of a, a change in the overall offense, so I don't think he was necessarily – I don't think they're worse without him. I don't think they're better without him. I think it's, it's just a, a difference in, you know – feeling that there's this top wide receiver target that maybe Cam Newton has to give a little more attention to because he's supposed to be so talented. The one thing that I've, with the Panthers, is they finally realize that they can use Cam Newton as a rushing quarterback. That was what he was drafted to be with the number one overall pick, but then he got hurt. He got hurt, got some shoulder issues, all these injuries, and so the first half of the season they were really you know, trying to hold back on Cam, keep him in the pocket and throwing a lot. And then he, he was breaking through for 60-yard runs against Miami this past week. He looked good. They finally are starting to call more designed runs, and I think that's the reason that they've looked so great the past few weeks. I don't really necessarily put that towards them getting rid of Kelvin Benjamin. You do have a lot of guys on a lot of offensive weapons that have stepped up. McCaffrey's come along so far the past few weeks. Um, and like you said, Devin Funches has really started to tear it up the past few weeks. I don't think it's because Kelvin Benjamin is gone. I, I just I, I don't think that a wide receiver leaving makes that much of a difference. The thing is, sometimes when you lose your number one target or receiver that's supposed to be so much better, like you see with Stafford and Detroit when Calvin Johnson went away, mm-hmm. it kind of opens up the offense a little bit because they're not just looking at that one guy. You don't know who they're going to cover. Even though Devin Funches has stepped up 10 receptions for 178 yards and two tees since Benjamin's been gone, Cam is spreading the ball to everybody. And even mm-hmm. these receivers, they're dropping the balls, but... This is growing pains, and they need the balls to keep going. I know they just lost Curtis Samuel to the year, and that's a big loss because he's got a lot of talent. But I think if anybody can overcome subpar wide receiver play, Cam Newton's had to do it his whole career, honestly. I mean, he's had to throw guys like Taken Jr. You never know who's going to catch the ball every once in a while in his career. So he's definitely a quarterback that can handle that type of load. And uh, I just I, Funches and Benjamin were such a similar skill set, and that was some of the reasons why they said that. And Funches might be cheaper come free agency time because Benjamin's kind of become a big name over the years. So I, I think the move was actually going to be beneficial for Carolina in the long run. Benjamin's over there. He's had three receptions, 42 yards in his one game. He was active for the Bills. So we don't know yet what's going to mm-hmm. happen with him. If he becomes a star, maybe it wasn't a great move. But right now, I think the Panthers are playing just as well as they have in the past two years. And I think that, once again, it's another team 7-3 and three, that could just make a playoff run. I'll be honest, out of all the teams we talked about today, I think Carolina's the least, my least favorite out of all. Mm-hmm. But who knows, man. Yeah, I'm still pretty high on the Panthers. Um, even when they were struggling earlier in the season, I just thought that there was a lot going on in, with Cam mentally and physically. You know, his shoulder, that does take time to heal. As you've seen even with, with Andrew Luck, he hasn't, he can't throw a football right now, and they've had similar surgeries. So I think with Cam Newton, it's just that he's coming along to it sort of through this point of the season and is really finding his stride. And, you know, like I said with the rushing, you know, through the first half of the season he averaged, you know, five yards a rush. But then these past few weeks it's up to nine and a half. And then against Miami, yes, he had one ridiculous run that kind of takes away from it, but 19 yards average on a rush. So I think that the offense is just developing and, the Panthers were so worried at the first half of the season. Wow, we need to make sure that Cam Newton stays healthy. We need to make sure that he's not taking hits on the run. Now that they're realizing, hey, this is how we win, they're unleashing Cam Newton. And I really think, like, through the second half of this season, well, I don't think he could make a run at, you know, NFL MVP, 
he could be the second half of the NFL season MVP just because of his his elite kind of play and his dual play on the run and pass. And I saw the stat during the game, the Dolphins uh, Carolina game on Monday night. I'm not 100 percent accurate, so excuse me if I'm wrong, but I saw Cam Newton. I think it was over 10,000 hits he's taken since 2011, mm-hmm. and it's the most in the league by about 4,000. Yeah, like Russell Wilson was second with around 6,000. But Cam has taken just so much punishment over yeah. the years, and I think that. The fact that he's still able to run 60-yard runs, it, 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 it's a true testament on how much he keeps his body in shape. And a lot of people have questioned his passion over the past couple of this season. I don't know why. I think Cam's one of the most passionate players in the NFL. Oh, yeah. It doesn't always come out right. I'm, I'm not always a fan of what he does, but I, I don't question his passion. And he's one of those quarterbacks that can truly carry his team. So we'll see what happens with them. Yeah, I, I'm high on them. And, you know, McCaffrey's coming along, Funches is coming along, the defense is getting healthier, Keekly is the best middle linebacker in all of football. When he's on the field. When he's on the field, and you know, they're getting healthier, so they're getting there. They're going to be a tough team to beat come postseason, and I think they have a great shot of making it. Well, heard it there, folks. We're going to go on to our final section of the day. Last week, I got my first win over Blake <laughs> in our game picks. Bringing my total record to eight and seven, ten and five. I went three and two. Blake went two and three because, as you can all see, what I see, Blake is not very good at picking games. It's okay. I had but to give him one won. week. We'll just, yeah, we'll just, we'll, I'll say I gave him one week. So on to this week. We'll go over the first game. Steelers versus Titans on Thursday night football this week. Two division leaders. Uh, who do you got? It's gonna be an ugly game. Thursday night football is always so ugly, and then especially when you put some good teams who you know aren't the healthiest. I'm gonna go with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, Tennessee, I, you, there aren't any more injury questions about Mariota, but that running game is still, you know, really hit or miss for me, and I think uh, Pittsburgh's defense is going to take advantage of that. Yeah, a lot of people have been talking about how Tennessee's offense has just looked very bland. Mm-hmm. That exotic set, smash mouth, a lot of people like to call it, but just hasn't looked the same. I'm going to go with the Steelers as well. On the next game, our toilet bowl pick of the week, <laughs> Cardinals versus Texans. Two backup quarterbacks, Tom Savage and Blaine Gabbert, right? I mean, Drew Stanton's hurt now. Cardinals just can't get any lower when it comes to quarterbacks, I guess. No. So, who do you got in that one? I'm going to go with the Texans. And, and you know, this is this is two really well-coached teams, you know. So, they're, they're it's going to be a competitive game. These rosters are really hurt and really banged up and very old. I, I just think I like the offensive weapons right now that, that Tom Savage can throw to more than I do with um, Arizona, even though they have Adrian Peterson. Who I'm, I'm not really the biggest fan of uh, at this point in his career, but you know, with DeAndre Hopkins, Lamar Miller, you know, Donta Foreman, um, I Will think Fuller. that Will Fuller's out this week, yeah, unfortunately. He is, he is out this so, so unfortunately for the Texans, they'll be missing him. But I, I got to go with the offensive weapons of Houston over Arizona. Uh, I, I'm going to go with the Cardinals, and it's because that defense, honestly. Uh, Tom Savage, I just don't think is good. I just don't think he's a good <laughs> no. quarterback. I watched him on one drive where yeah, it's not unintelligent to throw to DeAndre Hopkins like seven times in a drive, but eventually you're going to get picked off, and that's exactly what happened yeah. because the NFL and people adjust to that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And when Patrick Peterson is going to be covering DeAndre Hopkins, that's going to be a real tough matchup, and it's going to take some really good throws, and I don't think Tom Savage has that in his arsenal. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with the Cardinals in that one. On to the next game, could be one of the games of the week, Eagles versus Cowboys. Cowboys coming off a rough performance against Atlanta. They didn't have Zeke, and they looked like they were struggling. Their offensive line got beat up. Dak Prescott sacked way too many times, and the Eagles obviously have been one of the best teams in the NFL coming off the bye. Who do you got in that game? I really, it's I. This has potential to be one of the games of the week, but I would not be surprised if Philadelphia just ran away with this. I'm going to take the Eagles. 
They're firing on all cylinders. You know, sometimes teams come back from buys and are a little relaxed and not really focused, but the Eagles know that they're, they have a chance to be the favorite uh, for the Super Bowl this year and the best team in the NFC. And all they've heard this season is, well, wait till they play Dallas. I think they're going to come down. They're going to shove the ball down Dallas's throat, and I think they're going to they're going to blow them out this week. Well, I know you're a Colts fan over there, and you don't understand the NFC East dynamics. But <laughs> NFC East dynamics: whatever team you think is going to win isn't going to win usually, or it's always a game stripper. It's going to be a really close game. I, I usually throw records out the window whenever teams play in the NFC East, but I'm going to have to go with the Eagles. I just think they're in a better position right now. Like you said, uh, I think the Cowboys are trying to find an identity without Zeke. They're trying to figure it out. Alfred Morris had one good drive last week, but he didn't look like he was doing much. The whole offense didn't look like they were doing much. Prescott struggled, but I think that was largely a product of his line. And the Eagles defensive line is just too good to be coming in with offensive line struggles. Yeah, and everything that I heard about from Dallas fans or Dallas media was like, well, we've got Alfred Morris, who the last time he was there, like the lead back, had a thousand yard season. We've got Rod Smith, and we've got a uh, who's uh, Darren McFadden. Darren McFadden. They all three of them didn't look good this week. You know, Atlanta's. You know the the loss of Tyron Smith that week might have even been bigger than you know losing on Zeke because that really just disrupted the run and the pass game. Um, yeah, Philly's defensive front—they're the best at stopping the run, and if Philly has no run, you know, just wait back and hopefully Dak makes some mistakes and you can take advantage of it. All good points, but watch yourself when you're talking about my boy, Alfred Morris. That's still my boy. I don't care if he's playing for the Cowboys. That's a great dude. All right, on to the next game. Rams versus the Vikings. This could be the actual game of the week. Both teams coming in hot, playing very well, good football. Uh, it could be a toss-up either way. Who you got in this one? I'm so excited for this game. I, I saw this earlier this week when we were talking about what to uh, talk about this week. And I've already I'm, – I'm, I'm sitting right in front of that screen with Rams-Vikings playing – I'm going to go with the Vikings. Like like I've said, I really believe the Rams are a top team in the NFC um, and the NFL in general. Uh, I just I think that the Vikings' defense is, is going to make Jared Goff uncomfortable. Teams haven't really been able to do a good job of that this year, and so you know he hasn't really been under much pressure and has had the luxury of making some pretty easy throws. Um, I think that defense is going gonna, is gonna to really cause some disruption for him, and then the Vikings' offense is firing on all cylinders. You know, the Rams have the hottest offense in the league. I wouldn't say that the, the Vikings are that far off. They've got a ton of weapons, and I really think that they can they match up well against the uh, Rams' secondary. Well, like I said in the beginning, I'm a huge supporter of the Rams. I think they are one of the best teams in the NFL, and I think that the Rams are going to make Casey Keenan struggle this week just to add a little bit of drama to it all. Yeah. I mean, it's just to make it interesting. If Casey Keenan struggles against the Rams, the Rams blow out the Vikings. Raise all sorts of questions. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's going to be a blowout either way. I think it's no. going to be a really close game. Should Maybe be. coming down to a 56-yard Greg Zerling quick kick or something <laughs> like that. So I'm going to go with the Rams in this one, but as we said, it could go either way. On to the final game of the week that we're talking about, Falcons versus the Seahawks. Once again, another toss-up. Uh, Seahawks have been up and down the season, so uh, the Falcons. Who do you got in this one? I'm going to go with the Seahawks. Um, the Falcons did look impressive against Dallas, I guess, but in a way they were just taking advantage of Dallas probably at their lowest point this entire season. I'm still not a fan of their offense. Losing Devonta Freeman sure hurts. You know, he's going to be out for at least this week, maybe longer. Tevin Coleman's still a great back there, but uh, Seattle is also going through some injuries. They lost CJ Procise for the year. Richard Sherman's out for the year. Uh, they just brought in uh, Byron Maxwell, right, on a one-year deal to replace that, bringing in the old Legion of Boom guy. For, for the Seahawks, I really think that Russell Wilson could finish this year 
you know, first, second, or third in MVP voting. I think he's a top three candidate, and I think he's going to carry – like, he's going to be the reason that the Seahawks make the playoffs, and if they win a game or two, he's the only person on that team that I really can say I trust, him and Doug Baldwin. But all of that is off of Wilson's success, and I think he's going to carry them over Atlanta. You're definitely right. You want to talk about one-star teams in the NFL – Wilson is that offense right now, and without him, they would be, uh, I think, in a very, very, very bad situation. I don't know how many games they could win without him. So, I'm going to go with the Seahawks as well. I think the Falcons winning against the Cowboys is more of a product of the Cowboys' dysfunction than the Falcons really figuring it out. And until Julio Jones starts catching touchdown passes and they start getting the ball the right way, I'm, I'm not going to believe in the Falcons because that's just ridiculous. So, I'm going to go with the Seahawks, and that's my final game pick, and I think that's it for us, Blake, this week. Yeah, guys, enjoy a good uh, good week of football, and make sure you uh, watch Rams-Vikings. That's going to be a good one. Yes, sir. We'll catch you next week. Bye, guys.